You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Welcome into the post-game podcast after North Carolina's 90-68 win over Lehigh. I am producer John here with Tommy Ashley uh, today to break down uh, some of what happened in UNC's second game of the season. Before I bring Tommy in and talk a little bit about our sponsors, I'm just going to do a quick run through of the box score to give everyone uh, some of the highlights there. Armando Baycott, 22 points and 20 rebounds including six offensive rebounds, uh, 22 points for R.J. Davis, Harrison Ingram with 14 points, and seven points for Elliot Cadeau off the bench. So a strong showing for the North Carolina Tar Heels in their second game of the season, especially in the second half when they started to take control. Tommy, how are you doing today? And uh, what's your take on uh, today's game? Oof, yeah, it is, uh, it's is—it's been a long day. And shout out to all the inside Carolina workers that have been putting it down uh they brought in blue steel for this one john they, they let right. you and i run this um dewey, dewey looks a little looks, different <laughs> dewey, dewey stepped into the time machine hot tub time machine and, and got to be an old guy and a young guy here but uh yeah and shout out to johnny t-shirt and congruity of course they're sponsors of these shows you see congruity's logo all your hr needs and payroll needs on your small businesses I always say at congruityhr.com slash Tar Heels, get your free assessment, see if they can help you out. And then, of course, Johnny T-Shirt is always the standard for North Carolina gear. And go see them at johnnytshirt.com. John, I thought it was it was one of those games where it, when you were watching it and watching it early and then as it progressed in the second half, you kept waiting for North Carolina to open up and to wake up. And, um, you know, after a, a night like last night in Chapel Hill, um, I think the fan base was waiting for it to wake up as well. And I think it got to 55-50, if, if my memory serves, without looking back at it. And the Tar Heels woke up. Baycott was his usual Baycott. Um, but I want to start with, and we can go back and forth, Baycott's going to give you that 15 to 17 and 10 and 12 every night. Mm-hmm. You're pretty much guaranteed. I think where this team really can expand on, on how good they are is a guy like Harrison Ingram. You know, I, We chose Harrison Ingram for the thumb, for the show, um, but just the one – you know, the, it was a five-point game. He backs his guy down. He gets a bucket at the sh- end of the shot clock. Very next time, down court, he steps up in the corner, hits a knockdown three, just shows his uh, versatility and how North Carolina needs that to be as good as they're going to be 
or can be this year. Yeah, I, I like what you said about Armando, and I'd loop RJ right in there as well. Those two are really like professionals at this point. Like they are business-like. You know exactly what they're getting, what you're getting from them every single game. Uh, Armando, uh, 22 and 20. That's not not nothing. That's pretty impressive from him. But that's also what's expected from him. Uh, so I, I like what you said. Like I think that players like Harrison Ingram or Cormac Ryan, they can really help raise the ceiling of this team. And it really was those types of players, you know, sort of driving that second half uh, comeback or not, not, not necessarily comeback, but uh, allowing UNC to build its lead uh, in the second half. So you, you referenced the score. So uh, Lehigh cut it to uh, 50 to 53 uh, with 1325 left in the second half. And basically from that point forward, it was all North Carolina. It was players like Harrison Ingram, uh, like Elliot Cadeau, uh, like RJ Davis, just really taking control of this game. Um, and one thing I liked as well is that Hubert stuck with the bench during that second half. He, he didn't necessarily try to tighten the rotation, bring back the starters early, anything like that. He allowed sort of the full complement of UNC's roster uh, to take the game over. Um, you know, something that we, we talked about a little bit in game one as well. They wore... Uh, they're wearing teams down because they have that depth. And in this portion of the season against, you know, some of the, the competition they're playing early in the year, they have the ability to do that um, and kind of can explode in the last 10 minutes of the game. Yeah. And I think it's key, you know, a lot of people talk about who starts and, you know, we put together Grant Hughes, put together an interesting article where we all kind of went through it and put our usual or our expected starting lineups. And a couple of the guys had some fun with it. But I kind of posted what I really thought should be the case, and, and I like Elliot Cadeau coming off the bench there. Um, Paxson Wojcik, what did he finish with? He, he finished with 12 minutes, so he's almost like a placeholder in the starting lineup, waiting for Cadeau to get up to speed. But I also think it's a, a good dynamic there because it allows North Carolina to have that skill and that point guard off the bench. And Tina in the chat, I'll give her a shout-out. Cormac Ryan definitely off today. Um you know, but that's the good thing about this North Carolina team is that you can have a guy that needs to be really good for tar, for the Tar Heels down the road. He can be off in a game like this, and they don't really miss a beat. But you also have to get a shout-out to Seth Trimble. You know, John, I don't know about you watching this team, but I'll freely admit he was a little bit of an afterthought um, mm -hmm. in the preseason for me. Um, he had struggled last year. He, he – he, he basically had a mental block shooting the basketball last year, and he retooled it. Um, we heard from him you know, in media day. He retooled everything on his shot, and now he comes in and he's more aggressive. He had a couple aggressive drives, and he's getting guys in position. And then you talk about his defense, and that's the one area that concerns me for this team, for this North Carolina team, is going to be on the defensive end. They've got the guys to get after it consistently. Uh, and, and to, to max pressure the entire game because they have that depth. But the size of R.J. Davis, the size of Elliot Cadeau, I think is going to be an issue, especially if they can't stay in front of their guys. We saw it with Radford. Radford had guards that could make you look bad on the perimeter um, when the play broke down. Lehigh got some open shots there. Um, but Seth Trimble brings that guy in um, off the bench, that can provide ball pressure, and it really helps this team and it helps them get started. And I think that's really what triggered North Carolina going from that 50, 53, 55, 50 um, point there in the second half, midway of the second half, to sort of blowing this one out to a 90 to 68 game where you get to see 
um, the guys like us, the blue steel of the <laughs> roster, you know, that, to play in the game. So I think defense is where it's at for this team. The offense, I think, will be fine. Um, your overall thoughts, though, on that offense. I, th- I think Baycott is Baycott, yes. Um, but I think, like I said earlier, I think Harrison Ingram is the X factor guy that can do a little bit of everything that sort of opens up, especially when a guy like Cormac Ryan doesn't have a great game. Yeah, they Lehigh did a few interesting things defensively in this game as well. It kind of gave us some different looks at the UNC offense. So for the most part, they were not doubling Armando Baycott. It allowed him a little bit more time uh, in the paint, and he really did dominate. He, he, he used all that extra space that he had. He looked good around the rim. It was also interesting to see how Lehigh played Elliott Cadeau. Uh, this was sort of our first look um, at a team really sagging off Elliott Cadeau and, and daring him to shoot. And there are a few uh, pick and rolls that stood out to me early in the first half. Um, sort of as that, as that high pick and roll where Elliot had the, the ball at the top of the key. His defender went under the screen. Um, and I really think, especially as the season goes along uh, and you know the competition gets tougher, Elliot has to at least have the threat of a three-point shot uh, to keep defenses honest in that area. So he took a few of those three-pointers today. Um, let's see. I, I want to make sure I get the stat right here. He finished uh, 0 for 3 from three-point range and 3 of 8 from the field overall. So maybe not his best shooting night, but I want to see him continue to shoot that ball so that defenses have to respect him uh, in the pick and roll because we know how talented he is as a passer. He's just such a creative passer, too. I mean, even one of those last ones that he made um, – excuse me, to Oconquo, he sort of bounced the ball uh, underneath the basket, uh, sort of a unique bounce pass there. So you want to be able to leverage all of Cadeau's skills um, offensively, and I think that in order to see him on the floor consistently and and keep him out there, he has to be able to uh, take those threes and and make enough to to keep defenses uh, respecting him there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at the stat line and Cadeau's seven points, uh, three for eight shooting, but no assists. And I like you watch him pass the basketball. If you're playing with Cadeau, and, and this is something that guys that were on the roster last year and, and even with other teams last year, is you have to be ready to catch and shoot the basketball and put the basketball on the glass. And we saw that a couple times underneath where either guys did not catch it um, or were not able to get it on the glass. Cadeau with zero assists with the passing he does. Um, I agree with you on the shooting, and, and this is something I would love to hear. Um, and if folks have not checked out um, John's show with Justin Jackson, shooting it straight during the week now, every week here at Inside Carolina, go check it out because Justin gives that insight of being a shooter and how important it is to be ready to shoot and all that. So I would love to hear his take on this, not only from catching and shooting, but also having being the threat to shoot when guys go under the screen. I, I think to your point earlier, if if teams are going to defend Cadeau on ball screens by going under, it's going to make the offense stagnant if they can get away with that. So Cadeau's going to have to hit those shots. Um, but, you know, North Carolina's got Cormac Ryan. They've got Paxson Wojcik that can hit shots. And, again, Ingram, I've mentioned him over and over. And then R.J. Davis, you said it earlier. R.J. is R.J. What team in the country, and I mean this across the country, and I'm sure somebody will pull up, but what team in, in the country – has two guys that have been consistent factors on that same team for as long as RJ and Baycott have. You know, all these teams are loaded with freshmen and 
and transfers or whatever, what two teams can call on two guys like Baycott and R.J. Davis consistently to get it done in the area that they normally get it done? And that makes things so much easier for Hubert Davis. It allows Hubert Davis to tinker with this lineup. You know, somebody in the chat said, I don't understand why High is getting minutes over Jalen Washington. Well, I think motor is a big factor of that. But really, what is it, 12 minutes to 9 minutes? I mean, there's plenty to go around there. But I think consistently it's RJ and Baycott. And those guys are going to be the ones that carry this team with other players supplementing that. Uh, And it's interesting to watch how Hubert sort of done that. I said after Radford, it felt like a Roy Williams early season game. This one did too. You play a ton of guys, see what works. Because you can practice all you want, John. You know that. It's not the same as playing other people. Even Lehigh. And I'm not – that's not a shot at Lehigh. But they're not as good as teams as North Carolina is going to see in a couple weeks. Even against a team like Lehigh, you can play different uh, variations of your lineup and get that work in against guys not your own that don't know all of your tendencies or or don't practice against you every day. And I think it's invaluable – these type situations and Hubert's taking advantage of that early in the season and it's still paying off with with decent wins on decent sized wins yeah and RJ too is so good in the mid-range I mean he that just feels like a layup for him those mid-range shots Elliot we've talked about that already a little bit already in this show but you know maybe not as strong at the three-point line but he feels comfortable in the mid-range as well that does bring up the point though that I wanted to talk about which is UNC's three-point shooting today uh, so UNC was 5 of 17 on uh, threes, 29.4%. So they were you know, really good in the mid-range area, left a little bit to be desired from the, the three-point line. Um, I'd say both in terms of percentages and in terms of attempts, uh, just for comparison, right? Lehigh had 33 attempts from the three-point line, and, and they made 13 of them. Uh, so UNC got doubled up almost in makes and in attempts uh, from three. So I think that's something that UNC is going to have to tinker with and kind of uh, play with as the season goes along. You know, this is a team uh, with a lot of good shooters. We've talked about Cormac Ryan, Paxson Wojcik all offseason, how talented they are. They were really brought into Chapel Hill because they were sharpshooters. And within UNC's offense, they have to find a way uh, to get good looks for those guys. And I'd say, too, like try to shift some of the shots maybe uh, away from the mid-range um, and try to find more looks from three. I don't think 17 three-point attempts is enough uh, for this UNC team, as good a shooting team as they are. It's an interesting take because there have been times where um, we've sat on this podcast and across the inside Carolina landscape saying, why are they shooting so many threes and not giving Baycott the ball? Mm-hmm. And, and so there's that give and take. In a game like this, I think, I don't mind 17 threes. You'd like to see them make a few more. Um, but Lehigh's got to shoot threes in a game like this against a, a game against a team like North Carolina. So how many three-pointers is enough for North Carolina? Well, if Baycott's giving you 20 and 20, then I think you ought to – then you can live with less three-pointers. What you don't want is a lot of wasted three-pointers when Baycott's down there underneath against a guy that can't guard him. Baycott 8 for 14, RJ 8 for 14, Ingram 6 for 11. Um, I don't I don't mind those numbers. You know, I think Baycott needs to lead the team in shooting, especially against smaller teams. We saw far too many times last year and in years past where um, Caleb Love, you know, 
if he played against Duke in every game, <laughs> Caleb Love would be a big, diff- a very different story. Uh, but for North Carolina, he shot the ball way too many times when Baycott was having a big game. And it's not just him. It was other guys on the team as well. So you feed Baycott, and then you supplement it with three-pointers. And then once teams sag on Baycott, then you can go to work on the outside. I just think you got to make more. I mean, five yeah. for 17, you know, if you're going to shoot 29% from three against Lehigh, how does that translate? Somebody in the chat asked about the competition. Sean Crowley. Sean's talking about how Inside Carolina needs to make triple. <laughs> Sean's at everything we do. Uh, I mean, he is always in on Inside Carolina stuff. But how do you get ready um, against stiffer competition that's coming in the Bahamas? Well, you're going to have to make those shots. And if you're not making them, then that makes it tough on Baycott. It makes it tough on tough on everybody. I do like the, the point you made about the mid-range game because that's a mm-hmm. lost art in college basketball. It's a lost art in basketball, period. Everybody loves Seth Curry or Steph Curry, but the bottom line is that type of play eliminated the mid-range game in, in basketball. And I think if you can be good at it, Joe Forte was fantastic at the mid-range game. You can be – uh, you know, an award-winning college athlete, a college player. And I want to see that happen for North Carolina. It's yeah. an interesting take, though. I, don't, I, don't, I haven't disagreed with you a lot, but I think 17 threes in a game where you've got dominance inside, I think, is a plenty. Yeah, and I think, too, to add on to your point there, like UNC shot 28 free throws in this game as well. And they, you know, shot very well from the line, too. They made 23 of those 28 attempts. So I think if you're getting to the line as well, I, I do like to see that. Um, you know, some of that a little bit too is the uh, the athleticism difference. There was one play where uh, Seth just sort of jumped, and uh, the 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 kid from Lehigh uh, didn't have much of a chance uh, jumping with him, and Seth kind of ended up just sort of falling on him. Uh, I, I think that ended up being a foul call on Lehigh, um, which you know may or may not uh, have earn that call from Seth. So, you know, some of the free throws maybe were a result of that uh, athleticism difference, but still, I like to see UNC getting to the line. Um, and as well, like you said, RJ is so efficient in the mid-range. That shot is automatic for him. So if it's RJ taking those mid-range shots, um, you know, I, I do like to see that because he's just a, a dead-eye shooter uh, from there and really from every, everywhere on the court. Yeah, and, and you're looking at, I'm looking at some... Uh some questions in the chat and we're not going to keep everybody long today, maybe a few more minutes, but I do want to address a couple of them. Sean, I already mentioned the Baycott or the, excuse me, the Bahamas thing. So I'm not going to look that one up. Um, you got Hill Fanity and you also got Lovey's Fat Life asking about starting offensive team and starting defensive teams. You know, I, th- I think, and then somebody else asked, so we'll rope all these. Brian Evans asking, Paxson, Wojcik, and Cormac Ryan being on the court together and guard P5 teams. I think the question there is, can Elliot Cadeau and R.J. Davis be on the court together and handle um, some of these guard tandems in the league? I mean, you look at, specifically in ACC, but you look at a team like Duke where you've got 6'4 and 6'5 guards and, and you've got two guards that are six foot and under, there's, there's going to be an issue there, how North Carolina defends those teams. I mean, they struggled, I mentioned, against Radford. Higgins for, for Lehigh pretty much got whatever shot he wanted as well. He's a little bit bigger guy. But you, they're going to have to figure out a way to defend across the board 
um, because I think the one area that this team lacks, and it'll play out one way or another as the season goes on, and I want your take on this, I think this team lacks elite athleticism. Are there guys that are elite athletically? Sure. But I think when you have a team that has shorter guards and then a big that, you know, Baycott's a lot more athletic than he has been, but he's still not, I wouldn't consider it. I think Harrison Ingram's, you know, a mid guy there. Jalen Withers probably the most athletic. I think you're going to have to make up for the lack of that with your want to on defense, communication on defense, you know, the intensity that Logan in the chat mentions. And so what's your take there for North Carolina defensively? Because I think if, if we're talking about this team not reaching their potential deep in the season, I think it's because uh, they were unable to get stops based on pure athleticism when you just had to have a guy say, get that guy, stop that guy, you know. Uh, and on the flip side, give me a bucket. I have to have a bucket. Who's going to go get it? What's your take on the athleticism overall for this bunch? Yeah, I think I, I see sort of the same things on defense. I actually think that UNC does a pretty good job of communicating and, and switching uh, off ball on defense. And I think their rotations are pretty good as well. They've got a lot of guys who know what they're doing. They're in the right spots. They're, they're giving pretty good effort. I think it's that point of attack defense that really needs to be cleaned up. And that is, you know, like you're saying, that comes down to having the athletes who can do that. You don't have that defensive stopper like a leaky black, unless you're considering someone like a, like a Seth Trimble and he's a little bit undersized. You know, he's not going to be able to, to go out and stop uh, another team's maybe big wing score. Um, you know, leaky could guard one through five. He could shut down the other team's best player, no matter who that player was. Um, so I think that that point of attack defense, you know, when we're in, you know, when North Carolina is in some close games, uh, you know, in ACC play and maybe another team's best player is really going off or taking over um, and they're simplifying their offense to play through that player. Who is North Carolina have that's going to step up and, and make those stops? I, I think I could definitely see that uh, being something that impacts UNC's uh, play the rest of the year. Yeah, and somebody on the message board mentioned the lack of assists. So I had 11 assists on 31 made baskets, 33% assist rate. It was better the other day. I mean, all of this goes hand in hand. You know, if you don't have a ton of assists on made baskets, does it mean you're not sharing the ball? Or does it mean that you're um, able to go one-on-one -on -one and use some athleticism against a lesser team? I mean, it's all connected. The, the wonderful thing about the college basketball season and they said this the other night when I was watching Duke and Arizona, and it's absolutely true, is you can play these games now and win or lose. I mean, obviously, for North Carolina, in this regard, you can't lose to Lehigh or, or to Radford or Riverside. Uh, but you can play games early to really set a, a gauge of where you are at this point in the season, and it doesn't wreck your season. Um, you know, it, it's fascinating to see Duke and Arizona play. And as much as anybody, you know, I think we all, everybody watching this chat sort of enjoyed what happened, but it doesn't wreck Duke's season. Can Duke mm -hmm. get better from it? And I think from, from a North Carolina perspective, getting these first three games in, and I'm including Fridays against Riverside, getting these in before you go play Northern Iowa in the Bahamas and then that competition really ramps up is a way to sort of get your footing and then you still have opportunities to improve, but you also have opportunities to play better competition that even if you do lose, 
but you improve, it helps you down the road. So it's an interesting thought. Um, it is, like I said earlier, and I'll say it again, and then I'll let you close the show with your major points, is this feels different from the last couple of years because it feels like Carolina is trying to get back to playing a lot of guys, playing with mm-hmm. some pace and doing all that. And I think if there's any takeaway from the first two games, those are my takeaways. Play the depth and play fast. And that is something we haven't seen. And I think that bodes well. Yeah. And I like what you said too about, uh, you know, these first three games allowing UNC to, to grow and improve. It's really worked out well schedule wise that UNC has these first three games against lesser competition. Uh, because if this group was sort of thrown into the fire, um, you know, you know, in the first game of the season, uh, that could have been challenging because there is so many newcomers on this team. So I feel like over these first two games, uh, UNC is learning how to play with each other. They're kind of getting better, as you're saying. I mean, I think it'll pay off uh, in the Bahamas for sure. I have two more just sort of random points here. Empty the notebook. Uh, number one, Armando, uh, he's not afraid to hunt a rebound or two. I think he might know some of the uh, the numbers, you know. Uh, there were a few times where he would grab the ball and kind of knock one of his own teammates out of the way to get it. Um, so I respect it. You know, 22 and 20 is a good stat line to go get as well. Uh, and he's certainly getting all the tough rebounds too, but I just thought that was funny. And then another little thing uh, that I caught, uh, RJ Davis tried to do the Jose Alvarado thing where you hide in the corner and then try to sneak in and get a, uh, uh, a steal. Uh, I have seen uh, RJ do that at least once before. Uh, I, I I watch as much UNC basketball can. I, I, I might have missed it. He might have done it once or twice more than that. But I remember him doing that in last year's NIL scrimmage. Uh, it was a UNC on UNC uh, thing there, but he did the same thing. He sort of hid in the corner and tried to chase after the guy to get a free turnover. Uh, so it was interesting that he uh, felt like he had a long enough leash with Hubert Davis to try that in a game. Uh, it didn't really work uh, that time, but hey, who knows? Maybe he'll keep trying it, uh, and you know, maybe get a free uh, free steal out of it uh, one of these games. Anything left for you, Tommy, on this one? Uh, as you said, UNC has one more game uh, against UC Riverside uh, before heading to the Bahamas for their big uh, tournament. Yeah, I mean, nothing left on this game. I think we've covered it all. But there's a couple of comments in the chat about the Bahamas situation, and I'm gonna tell you this. If you've never been to the Bahamas to see the Battle for Atlantis, you can talk about the gym, the ballroom, or whatever. That is an awesome place and an awesome environment to see basketball, big-time college basketball, because you can get so close. Uh, you can hang out with all the players from all the teams. I mean, it was funny watching Amor Balu for um, Arizona the other night. Well, he was on Gonzaga back then. and He was ineligible. They thought he might get eligible to play in that Bahamas tournament way back when. Um, in 19, they were all out there, and all the players are out there. So if you are going to the Bahamas to see that tournament, you will absolutely love it. It is a must trip for basketball junkies. And North Carolina will play some good teams out there, and, and it's a loaded field. So I just wanted to say that. I mean, it's a different environment, but you, you will not get as close as you can get to big-time college basketball um, without going in there and going to uh, – see that tournament. I highly recommend it. It's expensive. It is a a very uh, upper crust place as far as expense, but it is worth it to see college basketball. And I'm going to say this, it has been awesome to do this show with you, John. I mean, 
I feel like I'm with royalty because we never really get to do them together <laughs> as a right. joint team. We're always talking to other people, but it's been fun. Yeah, it's been great. I uh, think, Tommy, you have earned some rest this afternoon. Our Inside Carolina listeners as well. Uh, there's been a lot of UNC uh, content. Honestly, it's been a big weekend for UNC sports across the board. Uh, some soccer teams in the ACC tournament. The UNC women's basketball team uh, plays at 6 o'clock tonight. So a great weekend uh, for Tar Heel sports fans. And, uh, of course, we also have uh, a 90 uh, to 68 win today here for the Tar Heels against uh, Lehigh. Tommy, do you want to close the show out here? And uh, we appreciate everyone uh, watching and listening. Yeah, shout out to everybody that's paid attention. Shout out to the 150 here. Shout out to the 700 that joined us this morning on the day after talking about Duke, North Carolina football. Um, shout out to everybody at Inside Carolina. Look, I took a nap between that show and the Carolina <laughs> basketball game. I'm not going to lie. Not too old to mention that. Uh, but, uh, you know, folks don't understand sometimes what goes on with all of this and all of this coverage. I can say with certainty that you've got a lot of people that work their rear ends off to the wee hours of last night and then turned around to give coverage of Carolina basketball this morning, um, it, basically this morning, but this afternoon. Just a great group to be with, a great group of Inside Carolina workers, John included, everybody else behind the scenes included. Um, nothing happens on the face of Inside Carolina without somebody doing a lot of hard work. So appreciate the shouts out in the chat to those folks. Stay tuned for plenty more this week. Ton more content this week. It's never ending. There I'm going to have no... some uh, good stories for Tuesdays on the Beat Live about my experience in the post-game morass on the field uh, after the uh, the Duke game. So we'll share we'll share wait. those on Tuesday. I cannot wait. I walked down there. I wait. I waited for the uh, old folks them to let the old <laughs> folks on the field and walk down there. It's a pretty crazy environment. But yeah, shout out to John for handling the. Nuts and bolts of this show. Shout out to the listeners. North Carolina 90-68 to 68 over Lehigh goes to 2-0. and Next up, Riverside this coming weekend or this coming Friday. We'll be around for it. Hope you will too. Shout out to Johnny T-Shirt and Congruity as well. Thanks, everybody. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.